Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, welcome to yet another episode. And I'm joined today by a, a new friend of mine, Kelly Berry. Thank you so much, Kelly, for making time for the Boca Podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Well, and, and I have to, first of all, uh, major props to you for the level of energy that you carry. I think both both times that we've talked now, you just seem to have the certain level of positivity about you that... Um, <laughs> I could stand to do a better job of, of maintaining consistency. And so um, props to you for that. Is there any, is there like a secret source of energy? Um, you know, I think I've had it since I was young. So I, I don't know. And I, I honestly don't notice it anymore, but people tell me that all the time. So <laughs> it's, um, I actually had my grandmother tell me that this morning. She's like, you know, you're, you're just so much, you know, you just, you just have this energy. I'm like, gosh, really? I wish I could like bottle it up and like sell it to people. I mean, That's cool, I don't know though. where I, yeah, I mean, God gave it to me. So I'm thankful. Well, yeah, don't, don't stop. Just, just keep yes. going just like that. <laughs> So something that we normally start off the podcast with is something that we call a technique for time. And you and I were actually chatting about this before I hit the record button. Yeah. Um, but is there something that comes to mind in your day-to-day workflow? And, and you've got your hands in uh, multiple businesses, I guess we could call them. We'll get into that yeah. in a little bit more detail here in just a bit. But what is something that you do that enables you to still have a little bit of time at the end of the day or at the end of the week to have some time to yourself or with the important people in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I, for those of you that don't know me, and I'm sure a lot of you don't, but I live on a 17 acre farm in North Georgia. So with my husband, we have farm animals and dogs and cats and like, it's just like a menagerie. (laughs) So, so that has been a big piece of what I think is kind of my technique And of course it's different for everybody. So I kind of struggled with this question because it is different for everybody. And I, this works for me really well, but I love getting up early. Um, I love getting up early and obviously on a farm, you have a lot of chores and faces looking at you all the time, wanting something from you 24 seven. So that's definitely something that is a part of my life. So I always like to get my day started early and kind of have quiet time to myself in the morning when it's still dark outside. I let a candle, I drink my coffee and I kind of just plan out my day and I kind of, um, get as much done while it's still early in the morning and try to manage my time as best as possible. Because during the day I ride horses and I'm very active. I like working out. I like, you know, going and have coffee, going to have coffee with friends. So I take that time to, um, really, spend time doing things that I want to do and that fuel me. So that's, um, and like I said, it's different for everybody, but waking up in the morning, I think early in the morning, my husband uh, leaves the house at about five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. So uh, we're up early and doing our thing. You know, this is interesting because it's it, it literally been a theme as of the last three episodes or so interviews that I've done where I've had guests that have talked specifically about getting up early in the morning. And we've even gone to the extent of kind of considering the psychology behind 
uh, wh- whether this notion of being a quote morning person or an evening person, a night a night owl, mm-hmm. and how much legitimacy it actually even carries. Because it seems like at the end of the day, uh, though we may have certain preferences, we can kind of do what we want to. And there, right. there are so many people that find significant benefit in getting up early in the morning. I actually enjoy it myself. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. th- to be to be clear, I love the opportunity to be able to sleep in at least occasionally. Oh, me but, too. But there's me something too. about starting early, and like you said, having a bit of time to yourself where you you don't have incoming stimuli of one kind or another or requests. Like you said, those faces constantly looking at yes. you for something um, that is really refreshing, and it, and it's nice to to start with a clear head in that way. And so I like that you highlight this. And you're right, not everybody's going to do it the same way. But I think right. this is something that I, I love the fact that this has actually been a theme over the last few episodes. And I think it would be something to, to consider for those listening in. If they don't have a morning routine, um, this might be something to consider. It, it, the, the freedom that it brings, the, the clarity that it brings, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, it's definitely... I've just never been a night person. I like getting in my pajamas. Like as soon as the sun goes down, like I'm in my pajamas, like watching Netflix (laughs) with my husband. Like, so I really enjoy that time. So if I have to wake up a little bit earlier to make sure Mm. that I'm getting what I need done, then that's what I'm going to do. I can't say that I like really love it, but I, you know, I would, I love sleeping in and I love to sleep in general, but it definitely, as a business owner, my productivity is just so much stronger when I actually wake up early and I follow my morning routine. But you know, you highlight an interesting idea there, which is that if you are clear about what you want, what your what your goal is, in this case, we could call it a big goal or even a, a, a kind of a medium-sized goal, if you will, but that, that focus on spending time with your husband in the evening, having that downtime, that that uh-huh. is a significant goal for your day-to-day life. And oh, that yeah. the investment uh, or the potential, well, I'll put in air quotes, pain of getting up a little bit earlier for that purpose is right. well worth it, right? I think in our 2019 American culture, we're so used to being comfortable on most levels that the idea of kind of venturing outside that comfort zone for for a benefit or even a significant benefit on the other side is not always um, enough motivation for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I love that you highlight the significance of the benefit on the other side of a little bit of discomfort uh, initially. So of course, we could I'm sure we could go on for a long time about that. But I, I really appreciate you starting us off that way. Yeah. And maybe along the same lines, something that we've begun talking begin talking about here at the podcast in the last few months is this idea of being centered or present. You know, we mm-hmm. all know there's quite a bit of noise all around us, whether literally or figuratively. And to be able to kind of pull back from that a little bit for the sake of both our business and our personal life is really important. Would you say that yeah. what we've just discussed is kind of how you do that or is there something else as well? I think in a, in a sense, yes. I think that there are some other tools that I use to really be more present. And I obviously my morning time is very special to me, but I think, you know, like we talked about what I do during the day, I, um, I'm, I ride horses. I'm very active. Um, and that is something that has always centered me. And like I said, I know this is different for everybody, but that is something that has always centered me. And I think it's made my, my whole life in general, just, um, just better. But I think that it's made my relationships better, my connections with other people better, my business better. And, um, you know, I was actually talking about this with a, a student of mine who was having a hard time um, connecting with her clients and connecting with just her business in general. Mm. And I think 
you know, what I've learned through being a business for the past, for the past eight years is that I just sit back and I, and I listen and I, whether it's, you know, it could be, and it could be in your business, it could be in your relationships, it could be with your, you know, anything, but, um, she was really struggling with connecting with her clients and posing and, and all that kind of stuff. And she always felt rushed. And I said, you know, I really feel like you're, you really just need to sit back and just listen, be inspired by what they're saying, be mm. inspired by what they're doing yeah. and just be present in that moment. You know, you need to slow your mind down and really focus on what you're doing at that time. Don't worry about what you're having for dinner for your kids, or don't worry about, you know, the 10,000 other things that we all could be worried about in our lives. I said, you really need to sit down and focus on the, the task at hand. And I think that you will be so surprised what comes out of that because it's, it's really, I think, of course, we live in this fast paced technology, technologically advanced world. And I think it's for people who are starting businesses right now, I think that that instant gratification and that, um, immediate, you know, we kind of spoke about that earlier, but it's, it's time to slow down. And I think that it's to be more centered and to be more focused and to be more intentional as far as your business, your life, no matter what. Wow. This is interesting. You know, and you, you spoke to the kind of frantic nature of that photographer that you were talking to and then really the tendency that we, I think a lot of us have, and I'll, I'll raise my hand here as well. I mean, there are times when I can, I can get fixated on something and, or I do fixate on something and I get worked up about it unnecessarily versus mm-hmm. just being present in the moment. And, and, you know, as problems come along and they will come along, we can solve them as they do come along. But this, this tendency to worry unnecessarily outside of the moment is not helping us in any way. You know, our, our bodies right. are wired so that we can, if need be in an emergency that, you know, the, our stress levels are, 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 are well, cortisol to get really technical is mm-hmm. our cortisol levels are going to go up. We have this kind of fight or flight response and we're, that is that enables us to keep ourselves safe. But the, the sad re- reality is that most of these situations where we're getting absolutely freaked out and stressed out and worked up over, they don't really require that kind of response. And and I, I think that we can make a move in the right direction of avoiding that type of behavior, which is causing unnecessary stress to our personal and business lives if if we learn to be present. And it's a whole loaded topic in and of itself. But um, I, I love, again, that you're sharing your perspective on this. By the way, you mentioned horses and and I, I won't go down this deep rabbit hole but i love <laughs> horses i've not had the opportunity to ride that much in my life but there is oh, something really? just amazing about them to me and i could kind of go on for a bit but I, I love that that is something that you spend a lot of time doing what type of horses do you have so i have um i've had thoroughbreds my whole life but current i have one thoroughbred currently uh, my husband's horse he was a quarter horse he passed away over the summer and then oh. i have two minis so, wow. <laughs> yeah, you're only in Chattanooga. I'm in, in uh, really, you're, I think you're only like an hour and 15 minutes away from me. Yeah. You should come down and see the horses. Oh, man. I, I Seriously, <laughs> I may actually take you up on that. that it's just something. It's like this kind of secret love that I've had over the years. Um, and and I, I just think they're fascinating animals. You know, they're, they're so big yeah. and so powerful. And and then of course you have the minis, which is a whole different conversation too. But oh my gosh, they're hilarious! That's awesome. Well, it, let's yes. kind of switch gears a little bit. Talk to us about one of the most impactful books that you've read, whether it's it's impacted your personal life, your business life, or both. 
Yeah. So I, I saw the outline and I was so excited that you asked this question because I, I don't know if you've ever read it, but I am a huge lover of the book, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh no, I haven't heard of it. I don't think. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's the greatest. Wow. Literally. Yes. Um, so she talks all, so a good friend of mine turned me on to it a couple years ago and I actually, funny, I actually played the audiobook in my car while I was driving to Nashville because I was hosting a workshop there. So I was driving there and back six hours in the car. So I was like, what the heck? I'll just download this book. And it was the most, I'm so thankful that I did because she just talks all about creativity, huh. creativity and, um, and just like the philosophy of ideas and how people get inspired and you know, her journey, her journey, of course, and, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert has written, obviously, a lot of bestsellers. um, But she also talks about, you know, why she never quit her full time job, because she didn't want to put pressure on her creativity. Because when you start putting pressure on your creativity is when you start feeling very uninspired and how it just, you start getting a little desperate. And so it's an amazing read, amazing read. Wow. You guys. Yes. We'll link to that in the show notes too for our listeners who are curious uh, about the book. Um, yes. I, I think, yes. One, of course, one of our most well-known books is Eat, Pray, Love. And, and right. the movie is really cute too. But um, that is, I'm not sure that I had heard that title before and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. Yes. But uh, yeah. Yes, it's, it's so good. And I actually bought it for um, all of my workshop attendees for my workshop in Cumberland Island two years ago. So I... Wow. J- yeah, I just, I just am such a big believer in it. And yes, you all should read it. It's okay. So good. Okay. We'll definitely link to it in the show notes. <laughs> and by the way, for those of you listening in, um, just a, a world of show notes at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Haley, who helps produce the show, really produces the show. She, she puts together these show notes, the resources from these episodes. Make sure that you go check them out because there's going to be a lot of information there that you can tap into. Kelly, let's let's shift toward your photography business. First of all, how long have you been a photographer? When did you start your photography business? Um, so I have kind of a long story, but I have a fine art degree. So I have a bachelor's degree in photography from a small school, Georgia Southern University. Go Eagles, if anybody knows them. <laughs> so I graduated in 2010. And um, so both of my parents are entrepreneurs in school, I always knew that I wanted to go to the commercial side of photography. When I was, as I was saying, when I was in school, we were really taught, and I go into this later, but we can definitely talk about it now too. But we were taught more about fine art. We were taught how to make, produce gallery shows, how to communicate through your work, about portraiture, about, um, you know, I was an art student, so we did 3D design, 2D design, graphic design, so all of those things. So that's kind of how I got started, so obviously. And then I graduated, like I said, in 2010 and started my business. I mean, not right out of school, because okay. I think when you graduate, you kind of are getting your bearings of life right. and all that good stuff. So yeah. I would say probably about two to three years after that is really when my business kind of, you know, really kicked off. I would say closer to two years, but yeah, so it's been a while. Wow. Okay. So I'm curious then in, during that span of time, and I know you've mentioned workshops a couple of times, um, you're also involved in, in education, but what is one of the most impactful things that you've learned as a business owner so far? Like if you had 
10, 15 seconds to give a piece of advice to a photographer, what would be the first thing you'd want to, to share with them? Um, the first thing I would share with them is connect with as many creatives in your field as possible. Um, not only will you need them for emotional support, but I think building a strong community of people around you who love and support you is going to be so beneficial for you. That's huge. And and would you, uh, and this is again, a topic in and of itself, but would you say that they need to go beyond just typing on Facebook that they need to actually meet in person? Or do you think there's a healthy balance between that and meeting in person? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely when you are starting out, you want to start local and connect with people face to face, let them get to know you. Of course, connecting with people on Instagram and your social media is a great thing and use that tool to the best of your ability. But as far as starting your business locally, I think definitely meeting, go have coffee with them, go get a drink, go, you know, see their, see what they do, see their shop and all that good stuff. Yeah, there, there is, I, I just, I, I know that was, that was almost like a setup of a question, but I just, I think there's so little that we can actually replace genuine in-person connection with. And then simultaneously, yeah. as you pointed out, there, there is just incredible opportunity to be able to connect at least on a virtual level and potentially yeah. beyond. Oh, absolutely. When, when you have those social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. But um, I, I've just, I've seen way too much kind of skipping of the, you know, the, the 15, 20 minute drive to go meet for coffee for the sake of convenience and, and just staying on a screen. And uh, I think we all as human beings, just at a, at a very deep personal level, need to have that in-person connection. And it certainly makes a big difference uh, when it comes to our business as well. So, But that, that's, that is good advice. And I think it's good to continue to hear that. I'm getting ready to go to WPPI uh, this week. Um, so that will date this episode because it's not going to come out for a little bit. But um, we are, I'll be there meeting with, right now I have 18 one-hour meetings scheduled over three days with a variety of, of people from the industry and it's going to be intense, but there's something really wonderful about connecting with like-minded people who are in business, who are in the industry, learning from what they're going through and hopefully being able to help them in some way that is just incredible. And um, 100%. I, I think we need to do it as much as possible. Yes, always. And I'm so jealous you're going to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, qu- it's going to be quick and intense, but it'll be, it'll be good. I'm, I, you know, I wish I knew the exact number of years in a row that I've, that I've been to Vegas for WPPI. It's something probably at like 15 at this point, but um, yeah. it, it's funny. It kind of, it almost feels like a second home in some, some odd way, but talk That's to us so ab- fun. about your photography business and, and something that we talk about here a lot at the Boca podcast, uh, brand position. What is the thing that separates your photography business from those in your market? Absolutely. So, you know, we kind of talked about my starting and my background just a few minutes ago. So I really feel like my, when I first started really getting into photography was in art school. And now mind you, I didn't go to Georgia Southern or college thinking that I was going to be a photographer. I went to be an education major and hated it and decided to go into photography. So <laughs> it was, it was a uh, kind of the perfect place for me and um, the stars aligned and it worked out. Yeah. But when I got into my photo one class, I really felt like this is exactly where I was supposed to be to be able to communicate through my work and tell a story in a way that, I had never thought was possible. So it opened a lot of doors for me. And so I really feel like transitioning in that, you know, to into my brand and into my business, those roots and those 
um, those beginnings of my photography career, I really feel like has shaped my overall brand as a whole. So I feel like I always come at my, whether it's an editorial or a workshop or a wedding client or whatever the, whatever it is, I try to come at it in a very creative and unique way. And I do my best to tell their story in the same way and use the same steps that I would use as if I was putting on a gallery show, or if I was, you know, trying to sell my work in New York city or something like that. I mean, those principles may not be exactly the same, but they're the, I think the foundation is definitely still the same. So I still want to convey certain emotions and, and, you know, connect with my viewers on a whole different level. So, and I think when kind of moving into that next question about how to communicate brand position. And I, I kind of feel like those kind of go hand in hand. So that's kind of how I feel like I have positioned myself to be a little bit different. Yeah. And I think clients, I have had a lot of clients that come to me and talk to me about the, you know, my work and it's the creativity and um, the uniqueness of it. So I try to try to pitch that and amplify that as much as I can. Yeah, that's, you know, you, you mentioned something actually about likening the process of being involved with a photo gallery to the way that mm-hmm. you um, engage with your clients. Do you do a lot of in-person meetings and, and do you kind of set up those in-person meetings, especially like print sales, for example, with your clients in a way similar to how you would display imagery to, to potential viewers in a gallery? Is, it, is there some similarity there? Well, I think that there is a, definitely a way that I present the image images to to them to allow that same process and that same you know emotions and because yeah. obviously when those those photos are of you, I think you definitely have way more emotional ties to them. But still, the same way, I want to present that. I want to present the story. I want to. I want them to see the storyline. I want them to see the process of how I created this. You know little world for them. And so whether that be in an in-person, so I always meet, I always talk with my clients, whether it be Skype, phone. Um, I always like talking one-on-one with them rather than over emails or something like that, because I like that connection. So as I don't get to sit with them in person as much as possible, but the way that I present the work to them is very similar. Hmm. to that. Okay. So almost, I mean, I think of when I think about a gallery setting, I'm thinking about fine art and a uh-huh. presentation that highlights an individual image in, in a really creative, really unique way. Mm-hmm. And I know that would be tough as you were saying to do virtually. Um, but is there, is there a way that you, and, and actually maybe I should ask, first of all, are print sales a pretty significant part of your business? And then is there a way that you prop up those individual images for the sake of the sale that, again, mirrors the, the approach that you might have in prepping gallery images? Yeah. So, well, all of the, so everything that I do as far as showing, showing my clients work to them is always intentional. So I always make sure that, you know, talking about storyline, talking about, you know, presentation and all those things, I want to make sure I highlight, you know, of course, when you get your engagement session back, you're probably going to get around, you know, hundred to 150 images, right? So that's usually in the back end, but initially when they first see their images, I want, and I'm not, I'm going to be totally honest because I'm an honest girl, (laughs) but I don't, I don't 
do a whole, I do, I don't do a whole lot of prints and I don't do a whole lot of albums. I'm getting better about it, Okay. but just the presentation as far as how they view the images, you know, whether it be, you know, on a blog post or a uh, pixie set gallery, I show highlights in a specific way so that they, it walks you through the story of the Ah, couple. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I do prints, but I just, I'm just not a big album fan. I, I tell I tell everybody that, but really, that's interesting. Okay, and again, I don't want to get too lost down this rabbit trail, but I the the fact that you said you don't have a lot of interest in albums is there a particular reason for that? Like, what's the thought process? Um, I just feel like you know, I I use Smart Albums, which is an amazing tool, but I just feel like I have a hard time either. I have a hard, I feel like such a jerk when I say that, but, (laughs) but I just feel like it's always hard for the client because I, I usually allow the clients to select X amount of images to put in their album because I feel like that's the best way that I have found to go about it because I don't know what they want. I will, I'll put a proof together, of course, but then they're like, I want to switch this and switch this and switch this. And so just the communication back and forth was just always so daunting to me. And I know that sounds kind of petty, but, and smart albums makes it very easy, but it just was dealing with clients that couldn't make up their mind. And then, you know, it would be, you know, almost a year, a year, months, whatever later. And they're like, Oh, I still need to do my album. And I'm like, okay. So it's just, it just takes a lot of time out of my day to feel. And I know that sounds like such a jerk, but It takes a lot of time out of my day to get the communication down correctly so that I'm able to produce the best product possible. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, we have listeners that that may or may not disagree with or agree with what you're saying, but the reality at the end of the day is that we all run our businesses based on what our end goals are. Right. And you mentioned time there and, and it does take time to sell prints. It takes time to sell albums. Honestly, we, as and I shot weddings for over 10 years, um, during that time, we didn't really make much of an effort to to proactively sell prints. Uh, mm-hmm. We worked with a company at the time called Pictage that had an online gallery and our clients could go there. They could order prints themselves. And Pictage would even help us run you know, deals, send email blasts out and, and run deals on prints. And we would, we would get print sales, but not the way that some photographers that are doing in-person sales, for example, would get print mm-hmm. sales. And, oh, I know. And it was because we didn't want to spend that time on the back end for that purpose. Right. So I, I get it. Right. And, and ultimately, it, a lot of it does come down to what our end goals are as individuals and then as business right. owners. And, and we're going to structure our business um, accordingly, at least I hope. Right. So, so I get it. I, I do understand what you're saying. Well, you, make, you definitely make me feel better because I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have attendees or students or peers or whoever that I, they're like, oh my gosh, you make like thousands of dollars in yeah. prints or albums. I'm like, really? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we've interviewed, I don't know how many photographers at this point, but here on the show that, that where we've talked about IPS and I can think of one photographer in particular, Katie, who will make, you know, the 1500 to $3,000 per portrait session, not even a wedding, you know, where you expect yeah. to kind of make the big bucks per portrait session. And that's amazing. It's incredible to me. So yeah, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh man, I left so much money on the table. Um, but it does, it does take a certain amount of time too. And, and then the process of managing the client and delivering to them. So, so I get it. Uh, then yes. the flip side of that conversation even is that you can develop an efficient workflow to make it as easy as possible. So it, we can go right. different ways with it, but ultimately we're, we, we all have different goals and, um, it, it, 
one of the conversations that comes up around this topic is that, well, you know, we're, we're doing the, we're quote, doing the client a disservice by not providing a, a physical product to them because it's not going to last. And what if the hard drive crashes and this kind of thing? The reality is that we don't have to take all of that responsibility on as, oh. as photographers. There are ways that they can still order prints, physical products, uh, if they want to. So right. no need to guilt trip anybody in that regard either. But but again, it's all based on on business model. And uh, I think that's an important point to make here. It, in order to capture these images, though, you have to use gear. And while we all know that, a, that gear at the end of the day is, is a tool, I am curious what your favorite tools are. So what like what's a favorite camera body or lens or, or an accessory that you like to use to capture images? Um, well, I am definitely a Canon girl. All right. I've shot Canon since I started, so it's just, I just love them. But I have a Canon 5D Mark III, haven't upgraded yet, but looking to. And (laughs) (laughs) my all-time favorite lens is my Zeiss uh, 50 millimeter, And it's a manual focus lens. And it is, I discovered it probably four years ago, and it's, just been all, I mean, I, I'm a huge Zeiss fan anyway, Okay. but yeah, I just, I just love them. I, the manual focus is something that I really create a lot of just a lot of different, you know, obviously a lot of motion and a lot of artistic edge to my images. I'll say that. <laughs> and do you like, what percentage of the time are you shooting with that lens? Would you say? Um, I probably shoot that probably about 75% of the time. Wow. Okay. So do you have like, how often do you have issues with getting the focus tack sharp? Because I'm, and we're also used to autofocus lenses doing the work for us. Yeah, I will say it took a really long time. Okay. I'm also, a, I'm also a film shooter. So I do have my contact 645. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I just got that back in October. So it's not even something that I've had for a very long time. But okay. I got the I got the Zeiss 50 millimeter and I didn't really shoot anything important with it for a long time because it is a it's very hard to learn how to do it and it takes a lot of messing up. So I would take it to like family shoots or things that I knew that I could spend maybe like 15 minutes like messing with it. And obviously shooting a lot of personal work with it too um, definitely helps. But it took me a really, really long time to feel confident with it. Now, I don't even think about it. It's just something that it's just a skill that you have to learn. And it just takes time. It takes a lot of time. Hmm. But does it does it I mean, we were talking about the idea of presence earlier. And I've mentioned on the podcast before how shooting with a manual camera, I have this this twin lens uh, medium format twin lens Yashica uh, mm-hmm. camera that I just really, really love. And it's completely manual. And, and how fun. And, yeah. Oh, it's incredibly fun. And it, it encourages you to really take your time with the shot. And, yeah. you know, especially as wedding photographers, we, we are on the go and you have to be ready and get that, that split second image. But if, if we're willing to take the time to, to use the equipment or learn to use the equipment effectively, it seems like it would be mm-hmm. kind of best of both worlds. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I've had a lot of people. So if anybody follows me, I definitely, you'll notice an, a, a pattern in my work where, and you can tell which images I use this lens on. I mean, I would say about 70, I would say probably higher than that. Well, my Instagram page are pretty much, I would say 95% that lens. Really? Okay. And yeah. So, but you'll see the images where it's, you know, 
really buttery and the focus is, is really soft and there's a lot of motion. And, and it's funny cause I've had <laughs> like serious debates on Instagram about, you know, some man from Sweden commented and said he couldn't believe that people were liking this photo because it was out of focus and it was blurry and, mm. you know, and so my, my friends came to my aid and it was this big conversation on my comments on my, one of my photos. It was kind of crazy, but huh. you know, that's what I like about that lens is because it's so diverse and you can do so many different things with it yeah, and it creates yeah. such a different look in just a few seconds. Hmm. That's, so. that's interesting. Yeah. I can, I can very much imagine that type of debate. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you see happen on online quite a bit uh, where people yeah. are critiquing that there are armchair quarterbacks, if you will, for, for the photography industry and, and like to be able to critique and, and criticize. But at the end of the day, if something is slightly soft and yet still communicates emotion or is still communicating a beautiful composition uh, that captures a moment, I, I'm not sure why it has to be absolutely perfect 100% of the time. And, and of course, right. perfect has, is, is not even, doesn't even have a, an absolute definition anyway in this case. So yeah. that's an interesting, yeah. t- interesting thing to consider. I was just reading, I, I just saw an article this morning, actually. This morning? I think I posted it on my Instagram story that, that uh, I saw on F-stoppers and, and there was a video that had been put together about the things that photographers obsess over. And um, th- this was this was one of the things that actually came up was the topic of sharpness. And, and you know, you, you know, you can just picture these photographers sitting around zoomed in on the images, the 300 percent over analyzing. You're like, yeah. nobody has time for that. And your clients certainly aren't doing that. So you just no. need to relax a little bit. <laughs> no. no, definitely not. And, and honestly, those images, those those soft, really emotion filled images, those are the images that clients approach me about. And, you know, they're because if somebody is looking for something like that, you know, then I'm the right person for them. But if they're looking for somebody not to go off topic, but I have to tell you the story. Yeah, go for it. So I was sitting down at a um, client meeting. It was a potential bride and it was her and her fiance and her fiance was in the film industry. So they I mean, in the initial email, they just raved about how much they loved me. When I sat down with them, they raved about how much they loved me. They loved how creative my work was. It was so different, so unique. And he was like, <laughs> he goes, well, you know, I really, I really love your work. And I really, I really do. I think you're just such a great artist. But do you think that, you know, you just don't, could you just not like use that lens on our wedding day? Because I want to make sure everything's in focus. Wow. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, yeah, because I know what you're using and I just want to make sure everything's in focus. And I said, you literally just were talking to me about the images specifically that you love that were like that, but you, but you don't want that. Like, I don't understand. And I'm, so that was the first time a client had ever said, like, don't use this specific lens at my wedding. It obviously didn't end up working out, which I'm so thankful for. Right. But it was just, you know, people get really intense about it. And especially if he was in the film industry. So he knew, obviously, Zeiss is usually is a predominantly video cam- or video lens. But and that's why he knew it so well and yada, yada, yada. But he um, but yeah, it was a really weird situation. Very strange. But 
especially if he's just, looking at the images that, like you said, that you captured with that lens and is complimentary, but yet he wants I you to do know. something different. Yeah, that's that's kind of an odd conversation. I don't think that I've had something like I had a conversation like that before with a client. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable, and I just will never forget where we were and like him looking at me specifically and saying, "Could you just not use that?" Like, <laughs> oh my god. Like, oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I I want to get to it, to our conversation, kind of our primary focus for today. And we're going to talk about personal projects. And this is something that's come up on the podcast before. uh, But I want to talk about it, particularly with regards to to minimizing burnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there there are various ways um, that we can go about minimizing burnout, especially when it comes to workflow efficiency. So much of the podcast is about efficiency when it comes to workflow. We have Workflow Mm -hmm. Wednesday where we talk specifically about that. Um, So if we work intelligently, there are ways that we can help minimize burnout by not working Uh, 24-7. Beyond that, there's there's something else that that I'm going to kind of let you speak on, personal projects, and how that helps minimize um, the potential for burnout as business owners. Yeah, absolutely. So I've experienced burnout in all kinds of ways. And I know that everybody deals with it. You know, it shows up in everybody's life a little bit differently. But I think that there's one specific time that really stuck out to me that was just a really, really hard time in my life. And I, my husband and I had just purchased a new home. um, And this was actually six years ago. It'll be actually our sixth year anniversary of moving in March 6th. So we had obviously, like I had mentioned earlier, we bought a farmhouse and it was uh, on 17 acres and it was in the middle of nowhere. And we came from kind of like a suburb city area. So it was a big shock for us and it was really out in the middle of nowhere. And so we decided to take on another big task and renovate the entire downstairs. So at this time, I was really wanting to take my business to the next level. And prior to moving, I had launched a Living Social ad. Do you remember Living Social? Oh, my word. Yeah, that's so weird. I haven't heard that name in a while. (laughs) I know. I know. It's kind of crazy. Um, But so I ran a Living Social ad. And so it went kind of crazy. And it sold about 180 vouchers. Whoa. Yeah, it was insane. So, and it was a $50 voucher. So for those of you that don't know Living Social, they take half of whatever you make on that deal. So I was doing photo shoots for $25, okay? So (laughs) it was just absolutely insane. So like I said, I just moved into this new house. I moved so far away from where we were before. And I'm talking maybe like 30, like, like 45 minutes. And... Then we're renovating our downstairs. My husband works a nine to five, so he's off on weekends. So I was probably shooting upwards of like five to six photo shoots a day um, on the weekends. And so it was a time in my life where I was, I was hustling and I was working really hard and I had a lot of drive and I, I, it was a great, it was great. It was a great learning experience. But it got to a point where I woke up one Sunday morning and I just could not, I was, I woke up bawling my eyes out because I knew that I had another like 14 hour day ahead of me Yeah, yeah. and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I called all of my appointments that day and told them that I was sick and rescheduled everything. And I just, I just wanted to like hang out with my husband 
and like be it in this new house that we had just bought and like help him paint a wall, you know, like stuff like that. Like, you know, I just wanted to like be, you know, talking about being present and being, you know, centered. And I just wanted to be that so bad. Mm. And so obviously I don't encourage, you know, bailing on your day of photo shoots, but (laughs) I think it was, it was imperative to my mental health and I knew that I had to do it. So, and it wasn't like, you know, I canceled them or just didn't show up or obviously communication is key, but I, you know, I just was hustling so hard for such a small amount of money and I was just trying to get my name out there as much as possible. And I just broke down, you know, I mean, I couldn't, I, you know, we're not machines, we're human beings. We need take to take time to ourselves to, you know, be inspired and to, you know, you can't be inspired if you're just constantly doing, doing your quote unquote job right? Like I, whether that's shooting family, shooting weddings, shooting, whatever, you know, I mean, you have to take time to stop working and take time for yourself to, to, you know, whether, you know, for me, it's go riding or hang out at my farm or hang out with my husband or go have coffee with friends. And, and again, all of those times and all of those situations that you have time for yourself, you are present and your mind is open to being inspired and to creating, you know, passion projects and to creating things that inspire you. So, but if you don't open yourself up to that, then it's never going to come to you. And if you don't take time for yourself and you don't, you know, I mean, it is, it's not always easy for all of us to literally take time for ourselves when we do it, it's great, but the act of actually getting that ball rolling can be really challenging. So yeah, I feel like that was a really long answer, but no, it gives us good context to the conversation. And and by the way, for those of you listening in who don't know what Living Social is, it was the the competitor <laughs> to Groupon. I, do they even exist anymore? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. So that that was definitely a thing there for a short period of time. And uh but I, I can only imagine what it would be like to to just get inundated with all of these shoots, like you said, not for a ton of money and there's a lot to do and there's a lot of work associated with that effort. And that would just absolutely destroy me. I, I, I've had um, in the last few days more email to respond to than I've had really legitimately maybe ever. Um, I, the way that I manage wow. my, my email, I, I just don't have a ton of email and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a really great team, of course, to help me. But um, mm-hmm. there is my the individual email that I deal with takes a minimal amount of time and i've I've been just overwhelmed actually and still have quite a bit of email to get through before I head out to um, to Vegas in the yeah. last few days and and I can only imagine like that times probably ten or twenty or more what you're dealing with having individual clients who need you on a particular time particular date and you're just shooting constantly and nonstop and while that's an extreme example I, I think it, it's very relevant for many if not most of our listeners that can understand what it's like to be in a place where you've got way too much work, uh, or at least you're mm-hmm. doing too much work. And and that's creating the scenario where you're physically and mentally getting burnt out. And you do 110%. Yeah. And you, and you do have to take the time to rest, first of all, to actually get sleep. Um, it, it doesn't make you a cool photographer that you're you know up at 2am on Facebook and editing simultaneously. But no. but then in addition <laughs> to that, you point out the significance of personal projects or, or just personal activities, things that you enjoy doing. Uh, you, you mentioned 
um, writing, and, and it's funny you say, you say writing and it immediately makes me think of, because I ride motorcycles. So writing for me looks a little bit different, uh, um, but writing is enjoyable. Hey, whatever for sure. it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but do you have something when it comes to photography in particular that you like to do um, when this idea of a personal project that you like to shoot for yourself? I mentioned, you know, shooting with that medium format camera earlier. It's something that I've really enjoyed. Do you do something on a personal level when it comes to photography that is kind of a mental, emotional break for you? That was definitely a, an extreme situation for me. And I think for anyone. And but Definitely. It taught me a lot of lessons, but that doesn't mean that coming off of a fall wedding season, I feel like, I mean, you've get, you've gotten run over by a semi 7,000 times. So, you know, there's times that I've struggled with coming off of a really, whether it be spring or, you know, a fall season. And I just don't even want to pick my camera up and I don't even want to, you know, nothing feels like it inspires me. And, and so for those times, I feel like, you know, I, I have always shot for myself a lot. It's just something that is, is been, I'm proud of myself for, but I also seem to do it at times when I'm very busy, which is seems kind of stupid sometimes, but, um, you know, I've always felt like shooting for myself has, oh, has inspired my work and has made my client work so much better. So, and whether that is a work, you know, creating, you know, the Vera workshop or shooting an editorial or, you know, I have this really amazing story that I wanted to share with you guys. I, and it's not really wedding related at all. I, I don't even remember if it was one of the living social shoots. I think it was, I think probably like two or three years after that, but I had been hired to photograph a family at a local, you know, location and and I went and met with them and I just thought it was kind of like a more humdrum kind of a normal photo shoot. I I really didn't think anything about it, but I met the client or met the it was a husband and wife and they had two boys. The boys were probably about 3 and 5 and the youngest one had autism. And it was um you know for the first 30 minutes of the photo shoot, it was kind of a challenge to get him to sit down, pose for photos. And like halfway through, I could really tell the mom was really getting upset. She was getting very, you know, not frustrated, but she was getting emotionally upset. And so, you know, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I just want you to just stop worrying about the pose. Stop worrying about, you know, smiling. And, and I just want you to, you guys just to hang out. I want you to sit on the ground together and you guys are going to play and have fun and just kind of relax. And that next 30 minutes was something in my life that I really honest to God will never forget because I captured some of the most incredible images of this family coming together and this child totally transforming and becoming so happy and and just loving and you just saw the connection of this family coming together and it i mean i walked away from that session and i was in tears and it was something that was so powerful to me and so moving and i wrote a huge article a huge blog post about it i shared it on social media and um because i wanted to and of course i asked permission of the families you know prior to but I wanted to share this amazing experience that I had. And that, I mean, 
that was a big thing that kind of shifted me. And I, and talking about being present and talking about being more, more focused and intentional and, um, inspired. I mean, that to me was so inspiring and just so, um, I don't know. I mean, just was filled with so much love and passion and just all of the things. And I was like, this is what, this is what my job is about, you know? And I've had different experiences like that, whether it be creating an editorial or, you know, creating, you know, working with a charity or, you know, doing something that you feel that you are genuinely giving back, you know, and you feel like you have so much power, you know, passion and investment in this project that, you know, and I talk a lot about this in my education to other photographers that, you know, the, the power of confidence that you feel after achieving one of these passion projects is, is really unbelievable. And I think that it, that's the power that kind of gets you through those hard times of the, the grind of what we do. And I think that's why I do it so often. You know, I do, I always love communicating through my work and I will hopefully do it till the day I die. And I, I just like telling people's stories and connecting with them. And like I said, whether it be an editorial or whatever it is, um, I like creating editorials because it gives me a lot of flexibility to create anything that I want, which I encourage every single artist to do. And because you learn so much about yourself as a person, you learn so much about yourself as an artist, and it just helps you grow as an individual and allow you to provide for your clients, your business, your husband, your family, all of the things. Well, I think it's a good reminder that, I mean, you, you said this earlier, and it, it's it's such a, I mean, it may seem obvious, but we have to kind of remind ourselves we're not machines, right? And so this idea right. of kind of mindlessly going through the motions day in and day out, doing the same thing over and over and over again, we're naturally going to get burnout or it's going to, we're, we're certainly going to feel less inspiration through the process. And so it's good, 100%. number one, to, to certainly rest as we talked about earlier. Secondly, to develop an efficient workflow that enables us to be able to step away from the computer consistently and to even do something like prioritizing getting up in the morning, like you were pointing out earlier, but then to take the time to do not only the work, um, paid work that is inspirational to us, and that's going to look different for different people, uh, but also uh-huh. to take the time just to, to spend some time on a personal project, whether that's a photographic project or not. But again, something right. that inspires us creatively, that motivates us, that, that gets us excited again, because that will then translate to the quality of work that we're able to bring to our clients on a day-to-day basis. And, and uh, so this is a good reminder for all of us. And I really appreciate you making time to share on the topic. Um, before we, we close today, would you mind going ahead and sharing with our listeners? We've talked in, um, about work, these workshops and um, probably yeah. have maybe a few listeners' ears kind of peaked now. They, they want to know what this is about. Talk to us about Vera workshops, what they're about, and um, what our listeners can expect to get from them if they're interested in attending. Absolutely. So, I mean, you guys kind of get a feel for my general personality um, just from listening to this episode. But, um, you know, the foundation of the Vero podcast was a lot about what we talked about today. You know, it's a big passion project of mine. And um, I put a lot of time and effort and energy into them to 
you know, really create this community and to create this space where photographers can come and be able to take the time for themselves, let their hair down and really be inspired and to, you know, to learn core values like that, that is so beneficial in your business and in your brand. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm just an honest girl. So, you know, doing these workshops, you know, you don't, you don't really make money doing them. So, and I think that's like a really common misconception about workshops. For sure. that like, you know, either thousands of dollars for you to attend and they think people are just like rolling in the dough and you really don't make any money. And so, you know, whether it's my workshop or someone else's workshop, you know, know that they are, you know, doing it because they genuinely, well, I mean, I don't want to say all of them, but you know, most of them are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. You know, they're doing it and I'm doing it because I genuinely care about this community and I want to grow a better community of artists. And I think that um, in the wedding photography industry, that's like being an artist is like a lost art in a sense because a lot of people don't view themselves that way. And so at Vero, we really try to instill that back into you and to rejuvenate um, your creativity and your inspiration and come together as a community to support and love and um, lift each other. Wow. Well, that, what a wonderful way to sum that up too. And would you mind sharing our, our sharing with our listeners where um, not only they can find more information about Vero online, but then also your photography uh, website and Instagram as well? Yeah. So Vero, we are actually heading to Northern California, June 3rd through the 6th. So we'll be headed, we'll be staying in Calistoga. So in um, the wine country area. And then, so our handle is Workshop Vero. And then my, um, so, well, our website is um, www.veroworkshop.com. And that's V-E-R-O, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so it's like backwards because Instagram didn't, somebody has Instagram handle Vero workshop. So I had to do workshop Vero. So everyone gets really confused. And I, know, <laughs> I know it's kind of a challenge, but um, I'm Kelly Berry and um, my photography handle is K Berry photo. And uh, my website is kellyberryphoto.com. Cool. Well, we'll so, make sure to link yeah. to all of these in the show notes too, for easy well, access you. for our listeners and there won't be any confusion. Uh, but thank you so much for making time to share with the Boca Podcast today, particularly on this topic, which I know that a lot of photographers have experienced or may even be experiencing now. Um, I, I think yeah. your perspective is is definitely one that they should consider. There's so many different things that we can do to to help minimize burnout. Personal projects is certainly one of them, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective. Oh my gosh, no, Nathan, thank you so much for having me on. I love your show, and um, it's yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Dot com.